name is Douglas. My name is Emma. I'm Sandra. And we are, we go to FGCU. We're discussing eco-social and we're going to be exploring the intersection of social media and environmental racism. Interesting, interesting. How y'all doing today? Good, how are you? I'm tired. I'm ready to, I'm ready for the semester to end a lot, but but I'm excited to talk about yeah, this me too. controversial I love, subject. I love to talk about yeah. environmental racism. Yeah. It's just so interesting. It's mm -hmm. definitely one of the things I feel like it's one of the most important like social problems of our time. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something we can address too. But Yeah, because it's happening right now. It's been yeah. happening too, yeah. so it's, it's kind of crazy. But um, today we're going to explore how communities of color are disproportionately affected by environmental hazards. To start, I'd like to read a quote from an article um, by the Washington Post in 2020, the water which was contaminated that it was classified by the EPA as hazardous waste was distributed to the Flint people. Mm -hmm. While this may seem abhorrent and immoral, the Michigan government feared few repercussions because, well not because, Flint, Michigan is over 65% non-white. So I think, really what the quote is 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 highlighting is the disproportionately impacted people in the communities especially um, specifically people of color because the quote continues to read that people in color are in america constantly face poor environmental mm -hmm. conditions without public concern and i think that's probably one of the most significant parts mm -hmm. is the without public concern because I didn't hear about, like, 2015 when Flint happened, I didn't really hear about it. I wasn't either. aware of anything. To be I wasn't either. And I, we were also a little bit younger. Yeah, but it's yeah. like adults in our lives weren't talking about mm -hmm. it too much. School wasn't talking about it too much. I only saw mm -hmm. it on the social media mm -hmm. aspects um, when we were, when social media was just coming out. So it was easier to talk about certain things and certain topics without mm -hmm. censorship from school, parents, yeah. friends, et cetera, et cetera. So it's definitely interesting to see like the shift in the public and social eye on the importance of con conversing about mm -hmm. environmental racism and its implications and effects around around the people in certain communities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I want to tie that into a book uh, named Dumping in Dixie, Race, Class and Environmental Quality where a social sociologist named Bullard, that's the last name, um, examines the relationship between race, class, and environmental injustice in Southern United States. Yeah. Um, he argues that communities and low-income communities are often targeted for the placement of toxic waste facilities and other environmental hazards. Uh, these communities lack the political power and resources to resist the placement of these facilities, and they are left to suffer the consequences of environmental pollution. Agreed. It's mm -hmm. actually, like, alarming, to be honest. Yeah. It goes yeah. way back to yeah. Yeah. You can trace it back to post-Civil War era. Black communities began to adopt discriminatory policies to restrict the movement and settlement of Black Americans. Um, one of the challenges is achieving environmental justice um, th due to the lack of political will to address these disparities in these types of Agreed. communities. And many policymakers are hesitant to address environmental injustice 
as it requires a systematic approach that challenges existing power structures. Agreed. This reluctance has led to a patchwork of policies that often fail to address the root causes of environmental inequality. Agreed. And it's, it's, most of the inequality is like worldwide too. It's not even, it's not even yeah, just. Like globalism. Yeah, especially. because um, in the article I read, Global Example in the Gulf of Guinea, Guinea, it says, yet countries in the Gulf of Guinea continue to be targeted by Western waste brokers, notwithstanding the existence of laws prohibiting the transboundary disposal of such materials. Because the, the Gulf of Guinea, Guinea is a relatively small corner in Africa, a lot of countries like the Equatorial Guinea and the Cameroon and Gabon are exposed to certain toxic um, hazardous chemicals that can affect their health and do affect mm -hmm. their health and, and the environment around them. So it's actually, it's really important to, to notify that it's not just it's not just America that has issues with environmental mm -hmm. racism. And I feel like it definitely highlights the issue with racism as like a worldwide, mm -hmm. a worldwide thing and not just like, like a local? social, yeah, it's not just a local thing. It's definitely yeah. a, a worldwide thing that affects everybody. Because even, even people who don't think they're affected are affected mm -hmm. by it. Like if, if certain places were different, like if they didn't put certain things in Guinea, they'd put them somewhere else. They would be somewhere mm -hmm. else. So it affects everybody regardless of who you are, where you live, or And you can't control skin. it either. So it's like well, most of most of this happening is because there's a lot of funding going towards mm -hmm. these projects, especially by like big corporations, especially ones in America because we all know how they run the politics in this in, in this community. Mm -hmm. the, the lobbying, it's just too, it's almost too easy to, to lobby in certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, to bring back, to bring it back to America though, um, I read, I read an article on the, the Flint, Michigan crisis and it was saying how the, the water was I don't want to say purposely contaminated, but it was purposely distributed, knowing it was contaminated. Mm -hmm. So that is an inherent issue in itself. Like the, it resulted in lead contaminated exactly. water uh, that had a severe impact on the population's health. And for you, for those of you who don't know, the majority of the Flint's population is African American, and the city has a poverty rate of over forty percent. So the crisis highlighted the systematic inequalities that exist and within the access to uh, drink safe water and how vulnerable communities are the most affected. Mm -hmm. And it's just an ongoing cycle because it's normally targeted to these um, like minority, minority groups and sometimes healthcare is expensive, they can't afford it. So it's just an ongoing, an ongoing cycle, especially when, um, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm cut no. you off. No, especially because it is an ongoing cycle because most people of color are forced to live in certain areas mm -hmm. because they don't have the financial resources to, to leave or to escape, whatever mm -hmm. have you. So it's concerning because as a developed nation, we have a duty to protect all of our people and in all instances. So it even it, it it should make us question our our practices, whether it comes to manufacturing, if it comes to how we dispose of waste, or even if it comes to like the question or uh, on 
climate change, on how we're um, contributing or not contributing, on how we're solving or not solving. It just, it makes you sit and actually think about, honestly, your entire position and where, I know right now, if people go outside, they'll see some type of waste factory mm-hmm. somewhere in their area. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's on the other side of the tracks for some people. So mm-hmm. you'd have to go to the poorer side of the community to see it. But it's clearly a distinction. It's done on purpose. And, and it goes back to like how you guys were saying. It's been This has been a, a prevalent issue in our society for many, many, many years. Like It goes back to Jim Crow when they were creating... Um, policies to to separate black and brown communities from white communities, like with redlining and gerrymandering and all those um, all those things that affect the outcome of the election, which then affect the outcome of where certain practices are practiced. Like certain hazardous communities are disposed of, or I'm sorry, where certain hazardous materials are disposed of in certain communities, and it. We do have, it is crucial for our, our corporations and government to be held accountable because it's it's not on us. We're not the ones doing it. It's the corporations. It's That's why when whenever we hear, oh, stop using plastic straws, mm-hmm. it, it angers a lot of the people, poor people, because most poor people understand it's not their direct influence on climate change. Like, it's, it's not them that has a direct influence on climate change. It's the overall community that has that has it, and I think environmental racism is one of the biggest one of the biggest connections we have to to climate change in a, in a sense of how it affects our communities directly mm-hmm. and how it affects our country directly. But I definitely think that um, it those without economic or political power they're they're struggling right now because we live in a time where corporations are allowed to to lobby our government mm-hmm. for certain practices and certain policies or certain tax reductions to get them to to build or develop in certain areas. And yeah, the struggle of environmental, of environmental justice is ongoing. Um, we know this and it requires the involvement of all members of society, not just the 1% or mm-hmm. people in charge of um, you know, capitalism and work towards creating a just and equitable society. So um, I think it's important to recognize that we must empower affected communities and provide them with the resources they need to fight for their rights. And we must also hold policymakers accountable for addressing environmental inequalities and creating a sustainable future for all. And that's stated in an article named Poisoning the Planet, the Struggle for Environmental Justice. It is a critical issue that affects communities across the globe. It is the fair treatment and meaningful involvement of all people in the development, implementation, and enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. Um, Unfortunately, environmental hazards still disproportionately impact communities of color and especially low-income communities. In their book, Poisoning the Planet, The Struggle for Environmental Justice, David um, Nagu Pello and Robert J. Borello 
examine the intersection of environmental justice and capitalism and the struggle for a sustainable and just society. So there's definitely a lot of corruption going on within capitalism and um, the healthcare for these communities that are obviously flooded with um, waste and hazardous materials yeah definitely because if you look at like like she was saying it's a cycle like poor people are definitely more prone especially now with the abortion ban poor people are more prone to have ch children they're mm -hmm. they're more likely to have a child rather than to afford it and especially since they can't afford it now that it's banned in certain areas it's going to add an increase in population in certain areas it's going to lead an overcrowding it's going to lead to um, uh, like she said, a cycle of people stuck in poverty, stuck in certain areas that aren't getting better simply because of what you're saying, the, the corruption that's going on in, mm -hmm. in our in our government. Yeah. And I just I wonder if if it's done on purpose because poorer communities are the ones that are have the most health problems. Poorer mm -hmm. communities are the ones that struggle the most to pay with to pay their health they're bills. Being helped, so and there's yeah. no type yeah. of like, like stripping away abortion laws yeah. is that like the most effectively uh or affect the poorer community no, because they're like blue states right mm -hmm. so or wait are they red most blue blue states, states have succeeded in protecting it but there are still a lot of states yeah. that well, that are on the fence because mm -hmm. before abortion was even legalized, many states had a black a backdoor clause that if it ever was reversed, they would immediately go back to abortion bans. Like I think mm -hmm. it was Tennessee or one of the red Republican states that immediately, as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned, immediately banned all abortion. Yeah. So it's concerning that the, the pipeline of poverty and, and health issues it's all connected with a lot of like root issues in the community, such as environmental racism, such as regular racism, like um, healthcare. I don't know if this is a word, but healthcare racism—that's mm -hmm. a thing. Like um, black and brown people of color are more or less, sorry, less likely to be—I don't want to say believed, but they're less likely to be taken serious in um, in health organizations simply because they're seen as like. And anything, to be honest, it goes for everything. Literally. Like, they struggle. They struggle. They have to work harder. Everything. Um, and it's, they're not being helped. Nothing is, how do you, how can I say this? Like, even if they do come out with something or, like, they try to sp spread awareness or some type of um, anything to come out of their position, it's a much harder um, process than yeah. other um, communities. Agreed. Yeah. And I read um, an article that was named Impacts, Roots, and Solutions. It, it, the, the quote goes, as Casey Berkowitz, the Century Foundation writes, residential segregation means that people of color are often concentrated in neighborhoods that have frequently been disempowered mm -hmm. and both politically and financially, mm -hmm. meaning that a lot of the times where um, people of color are located their areas have been deemed hazardous, making it acceptable for hazardous materials to be put there mm -hmm. because it was deemed hazardous. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, establishments are, a lot of industrial establishments are constructed as cheap as possible. 
they don't have always the best and most efficient or even cleanest um, practices when they're in in these areas so it definitely designates the entire the entire facility Mm -hmm. entire area as as a hazardous Mm. hazardous um, Red Bunny historically denied a lot of these residents community a lot of these re- um, a lot of these people they denied a lot of these people access to certain communities that have basic basic mm, uh, basic needs where basic needs are met like basically yeah. the opposite of their communities uh-huh. uh, Red Lion just ensured that they would be stuck in in their in their section mm-hmm. of the city where it's hazardous only basically meaning that what we've been saying this entire time is black people or people of color deserve to live there almost like it's it's where they're supposed to be a lot of the a lot of the like policies that we have in place like red lightning gendermending is to keep people segregated Mm -hmm. almost it's like just a backwards form of segregation because now we have more i feel like now it's more of like economical segregation mm-hmm. rather than racial but if we look at historical events economic segregation can also go back to racial segregation because mm-hmm. who are more likely to be dis dis um in below the poverty line people of color mm-hmm. living in what kind of areas hazardous areas because of hazardous things already existing there mm-hmm. allowing more things to come allowing more um communities not communities more establishments to be put there and doing whatever because a lot of these establishments they aren't like i said up to code a lot of these Mm -hmm. establishments aren't following the law even they're doing what they want in those areas because they can they know they will get away with it Mm -hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong too this ties in with mental health because if you're in a place that is just how are we talking it's not good for you it like puts them in a state or like in a mindset like i'll never get out of here yeah they become complacent and like it's just it's such a bad environment like we no, we it, need it, it you're, like, you're right it, yeah. it, it, it ties into everything mm-hmm. because if we look at the the numbers a lot of people of color in poor communities tend to lean towards drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and monetary things to get them what for whatever reason they do it but that is the facts they do definitely um they definitely lean more towards um they lean more towards monetary things of value like drugs alcohol clothing shoes whatever have you Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that you're saying like that's how they deal with it Mm -hmm. rather than this isn't always a good thing but rather than trying to to, because not everybody can get out of the area they live in not everybody has the money not everybody has even the support or even lean towards that yeah like it's almost like a like a A cage to me i feel like like to me it's like a cage because well, I, well, I'm, I'm more referring to like a supplement like oh, all okay. of the things they do is more of like supplemental to ignore because like I'm from Tampa so all of like you, you're from Tampa so train tracks like there's a lot of train tracks everywhere there's a lot of, if you go to certain um, parts of, of Tampa you'll see how run down those areas are. you'll mm-hmm. see how a lot of those communities don't have the opportunity even to to fix those communities mm-hmm. they don't have the money the resources the city's not giving it to them mm-hmm. the the people don't have it and so when these big communities come in and just really running the place down even more 
it it creates like you said a cycle of poverty a cycle of mental health issues a cycle of of just depression and all of those things that make people literally just stuck like there's there's no other word besides stuck i think that people are um, recognizing the tension between um you know what's going on with environmental racism and the corruption of government and how it's blaming us you know stripping our rights away while you know compromising our health care so we can't even make up for you know getting cancer yeah because it's like let's so, say someone does get cancer and they're living in a poor community how are they supposed to afford mm-hmm. how are their because it's mm-hmm. not just that person like how are their family supports because mm-hmm. so, after mm-hmm. they not if you're if you're married your debt goes to your spouse mm-hmm. if you're um and, it's, and i don't know if this is 100 percent true but in some cases it could even go to the child we have to wrap up the environmental oh. talk but this is um hold on because i have a wrap-up this was definitely um, an interesting, an interesting topic to talk about. It's one of my favorites to address. But there are many great resources out there, and I think for anybody who's listening and wants to check up on these issues, you can go to the devil, the NAACP Environmental and Climate Justice Program. You can go to the Environmental Health, the Environmental Justice Health Alliance, or even the Chemical Policy Reform. A lot of these um, have great great historical references great sources great um great points all of those things that can help anyone who's confused on this topic and wants to learn more information about it but now we are going to switch it over to social media and its effects on mental health its effects Mm -hmm. on society and sandra all right so i do i want us to just you know like bounce um around with um, social media and how it affects us but we can like touch on cyberbullying because that's something I like it like hurts me because it's so I don't even know it's just it's it's very prevalent yeah, yeah and and it's new too it's not something that's been and people think it's like okay because they're behind a screen and it's, it's yeah. something that social media just like it's it's seen a lot like constantly like from TikTok um a lot of people get hate and they just think it's okay because they're behind the screen and no one can see it. Also, addiction because we're all addicted in some way to our phones. We can't stop using it and we don't really see the um not the outcome but just like how it's affecting us like on the long term because later on um. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just... No, agreed, because the video we watched in class, I don't, mm. I forgot the name of it, um, but it was the one Professor Martin showed us where we're, like you said, addicted to our mm-hmm. phones, and instead of injecting drugs, mm. instead of injecting or in drinking alcohol, people are now just addicted to your phones, like I said, so mm-hmm. the... Um, it's like a the, rush. Like yeah, a, like the like video, it makes them feel it, good. The video was showing the guy, he was like, the phone was the hair, the needle mm-hmm. in his arm. And it, it was interesting to see how, how, it's interesting to see the, 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 cause, okay. How do you, yeah. For every good we do, for every progress we make, there's always a back progress. Like there's mm-hmm. always a back, every one step forward, we take three steps back. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see how, 
with these three steps back we've been getting on social media, the one step forward we're taking on addressing cyberbullying, on mm -hmm. addressing the negative effects on uh, social media, because we grew up on social media. Mm -hmm. We we were the first generation to grow up with technology. We're the first generation to basically be born into this world. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see how we kind of still have like we kind of still have like the the mentality of the older generation mm -hmm. and it's it's scary though because yes yeah, because so. the future generations they don't have that they're mm -hmm. they've only known this because mm -hmm. we were we were around that time before cell phones mm -hmm. we were around before social media so and it's everywhere like these kids are actually like tablet kids no it's literally their whole life addicted. is the tablet and like, like no we were younger, social skills nothing that's also a very important yeah. issue because i feel like the but it also was exacerbated by covid because without mm -hmm. without like social interaction a lot of people become they become what is it, introverts and yep. but what you were talking about is the lack of social understanding between certain age groups mm -hmm. like it's especially like basic human connection mm -hmm. yeah it's like, getting lost yeah. to be honest with like when when you go into a room into your classroom the first and everyone sits down everyone's yeah, on their phone fun, yeah. nobody's saying hello speaking mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. um when you go to a park or even if you go to a park <laughs> no <laughs> literally if you even go outside that yeah. day. but <laughs> like when you can watch a video yeah, no, because it's, it's like when you go to a museum what are you seeing like you, all you see are pictures being mm -hmm. taken concerts of, too uh literally yeah, like all you see are phones everywhere so it's definitely an addiction it's definitely but it's, it's not natural it's like no very artificial it's scary you know, it's scary. So it is long. scary but i also i welcome the positive aspects of it too uh -huh. because in this article it says sorry i'm gonna i need to look for the name revelation in the making social media effects across the globe that's the article what i wanted to address was on tiktok on instagram on facebook you you see a lot more connection though it may be on technology maybe through our phones a lot more groups are connecting with each other a lot more information mm -hmm. is being shared simply because of social media mm -hmm. so when we saw a french protest within the last couple months it was easy for a lot of people to rally and stand with them it was easy yeah. for black lives matter to get mm -hmm. worldwide support because of social media yeah. so it is an interesting double-edged sword mm -hmm. but we definitely need to like be careful which side of the blade we're holding because yes. if if we are focusing on like you said the negative aspects mm -hmm. it, it is it is yeah. scary it is kind of concerning especially for these younger generations like mm -hmm. my niece my nephew if i ever had a child like within the next few years mm -hmm. i wouldn't want them no. on technology at all just to give them that breath of fresh air because I read something. Sorry, you can go just a second. I read something. It was before, um, it was either before or after COVID, people used to have a third party place to go to. Mm -hmm. It wasn't school. It wasn't home. It was somewhere else you would go to enjoy. Mm -hmm. For me, it was the park. Mm -hmm. For other people, mm -hmm. it could be a bar, whatever mm -hmm. have you. Now it's the phones. It's people will young. go on their phone to to feel that type of third placement, mm -hmm. um, like disconnection almost, like just to get to step away. I now people do that on that. their phone. That's deep. It's 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 crazy now because we're just losing a lot of human interaction with yeah, social media. It's like a pacifier. Mm. You're like bored. Yeah. Or you're yeah, it silences you. And it's not productive. Yeah, like but not, like you said about addiction because most of the time just meaningless. You know, you're wasting your time. TikTok. 
basically. And Those you're, um, I, but it's also interesting though because, what's it called? The like you you on TikTok you'll see on TikTok they'll have be a sparking a person speaking and then on the bottom it's, it's subway like, surfers. Yeah, yeah, it's like something to keep you entertained. So it shows how um it shows how split a lot of people's um focus is mm-hmm. and how there's the lack of focus that's coming up with social media and how people need more than one device more than one um entertainment source mm-hmm. like i know a lot of people who when they when they're going to bed they'll leave the tv on they i know a lot of stimulation yeah times. like they'll be on their phone on tiktok their tv's on and they're playing the xbox mm-hmm. like do we need all three of those screens do we need all three of those no. things to stimulate us and it's definitely like it's definitely something we need to address within the next few mm-hmm. years especially with this tiktok ban I'm for the TikTok ban, yeah. but not in the way they are. I'm for it. I'm for a social media ban mm-hmm. until a certain age, like mm-hmm. all social media. But I'm not. I'm not so much like against yeah. social media, just for certain ages, simply mm-hmm. because it's not conducive to their learning, to mm-hmm. their to their growth, to their development. And I definitely would. I'm interested to see what these next studies in the next fifteen, twenty years yes. say about the kids that are being born now how social media and technology has affected their and it also like it's scary because i'm thinking like when i have my kids i don't i want to be like um i want to make sure what they're looking at what they're watching because some of the some of the times even for me i'm like uh this is not this is inappropriate no have you ever youtube yes they're showing sex to kids or they're showing i'm not saying this is bad but just like they're not ready for like you know transgender no agreed LGBT, like, like all those things it's not it's no, not there yet you're, you're not agreed yeah. though because it's like how i feel about it is i'm not against none no, of that I'm but it's like you. you're allowed to be who you are but as a child you have to realize they have certain levels mm-hmm. of of understanding. of understanding yeah. and they're understanding children are understanding if you tell mm-hmm. them something they will understand it but it's not about that it's more so about giving them time yeah. giving them time to be children because yes. as a child you don't need to be concerned with no. the sex or gender of people you just need to understand that they're a person mm. they deserve to be respected they deserve to be valued as a human life mm. we don't need to be throwing all these words so, in yeah, their it's, face it's like too much for agreed them. agreed children just don't have time to be children anymore no. and mm-hmm. it but like that was our generation that did that mm-hmm. because 13 years old wearing full face of makeup going to school taking pictures on snapchat definitely sets up the next generation to do the same thing Mm -hmm. if not worse and it's just mental health there goes self-esteem self-esteem body issues like eating disorders Mm -hmm. like all that all of those things mentally that were and it's kind of like we're getting it's like we're getting what's the word not brainwashed but we're getting like fed information Mm -hmm. through all of these things so when we we're not copying them but it's like we're subconsciously doing those things mm-hmm. like i know i saw someone talking about their eating disorder and now i thought i had an eating disorder simply because mm-hmm. of examples they were bringing up and so that's the double-edged sword i was talking about because there's a lot of this information out there but you don't know what's right you don't know who's viable you don't know who's uh sorry reliable you don't know who's um uh valid a valid like contender to be telling you about any of the information you're receiving Mm -hmm. so you have to do your dual dual diligence you have to definitely do your own research when it comes to social media these days but Mm -hmm. i just think um like to end it off are we good to end it off um you should if you have if you're having a hard time with social media i strongly believe like taking a break going for a walk 
exercise it's really good for us even Um, even for from your phone period i would say like how i would recommend would a couple hours a day purposely Mm -hmm. not go on your phone a couple hours a day purposely not go on tiktok instagram snapchat facebook whatever have you and just actually connect with yourself Mm -hmm. or even outside like go play a sport go talk to people talk to people people. read a book read a book inform yourself create um find a new hobby yes find an interest in something you like and before we end that is definitely something that is dying hobbies interests Mm -hmm. nobody has those anymore everyone only wants to be in uh an influencer they only want to be famous like there's no there's a there's a dying brand of what is the word like ingenuity Mm -hmm. and and like when you're natural like like when you're authentic there's a dying breed of authentic people in this country everybody is trying to put on this face for social media Mm -hmm. and who actually feels like that like i know when i'm on i don't even post on social media yeah me too just use it for um positive like what it was intended for. yeah just like speaking to certain people like i have a friend who lives in thailand so Mm -hmm. whenever i need to whenever I, I want to reach out to them, it's easier for me to just mm-hmm. send a direct message rather than writing a, a letter, email it to, uh, mail it. See? I said email <laughs> it to them. That's like good. That's so sad. Like, or, letters are also a dying breed. Mm-hmm. I My parents yeah. taught me that when I was younger. They loved that we wrote letters a lot. Mm-hmm. And now no one writes them anymore. But thank you for joining us on our podcast of... What's the name? Echo Social. Echo Social, the impacts and the links between environmental racism and um, social media in our society. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.